I try to be grateful, but listen, at the end of the day, I'm mostly hateful. Welcome to the new podcast, Mostly Grateful, the podcast where we talk about gratitude, but with kind of a bad attitude. I'm your host, Joel Zuckerman. The podcast is an offshoot of my brand new book titled Grateful. Back in 2013, right around now, seven years ago, right about now in November of 2013, I saw a book on my wife's nightstand called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And it's all small stuff. It's a mega seller from the mid-1990s, kind of a self-help book. And I've never read a book like that in the past. And I didn't really have an interest, but just out of sheer boredom, I picked it up and started thumbing through the pages. There's a hundred chapters in the book. Fill your life with love. Schedule time for your inner work. All this stuff is, you know, it's fine, whatever. It's not for me. But one of the chapters that I happened to glance was called Write a Heartfelt Letter. I read that two-page chapter, and it, it spoke to me because I'm a writer. I wrote the letter to a friend of mine. It wasn't real long. It might have been three paragraphs, four paragraphs long, thanking him for being a good friend and all he's done to help me with my writing and speaking career. And I really enjoyed how it made me feel. And I started writing more and more and more. And seven years, six years later, I'd written 180 letters. And I recently published this book called Grateful. I will be talking to a number of my letter recipients about gratitude. And it is my pleasure to welcome my inaugural guest, a young man I refer to as the boy genius. His name is Noah Lusky. He is much younger than me. I just turned 60. Noah is 28 years old. And the reason I wanted Noah as my first guest is because it was his idea to start the podcast. And Noah has been helpful to me in many ways over the years, mostly high-tech stuff that I don't have a handle on. But I said to Noah when he suggested this, that I would do it if he would be my first guest. So let's say hi to Noah Lusky. Joel? Hey. Oh my God, it worked. Oh my gosh. Okay, so don't say anything too stupid. Please. Really tough thing to ask me. I know. I live in Park City, Utah, Noah. I know from our original home areas of Savannah, Georgia, but Noah works for Microsoft and he is domiciled in Seattle. So we are going to start our conversation with a rendition of the letter that I wrote to Noah. I wrote to Noah on March 10th of 2017, so three and a half years ago. And this is what I wrote. Dear Noah, just wanted to offer you a quick word of encouragement as you embark upon your exciting new career at Microsoft. What an exhilarating time in your life. New job, new city, new opportunities to advance both personally and professionally. The next few months, probably the whole of 2017, are going to be a whirlwind. Enjoy it, don't just endure it, because you'll look back on this period in 10 or 20 years with nostalgia mixed with pride. Here you are, moving 3,000 miles from where you grew up, from most of the people you know, and beginning what will assuredly be a successful tenure at one of the world's most admired companies. It's all fantastic. Perhaps you'll be back on the East Coast in a few years, 
Perhaps you'll never again make a rent or mortgage payment east of the Mississippi. That's what is so cool about your position as you stand on the precipice of your future. It's all wide open, all possibility, and with your education, natural acumen, burgeoning people skills, your prospects are incredibly bright. Please know you're always welcome to visit us in Utah. We would be delighted to have you for any long or extra long weekend, winter or summer. You are an exceptional young man in many ways, and I am grateful to you personally for some, not all, of your guidance as I navigate and often stumble through this high-tech world we now live in. I know your parents and family are swelling with pride, despite the fact they might get a bit misty-eyed in your cross-continent sense. Don't sweat it, I'll keep them entertained. Mazel tov to you. Your future holds nothing but promise. And that was my letter. That was my letter to Noah. I forgot how nice that letter was. I graduated college, finished my master's, and then moved all the way to Seattle and knew essentially nobody here. So that letter, I still have it. So. Well, I appreciate it. I don't know if there's three people or 13 or 33 people who might be listening to this. A little bit about Noah beyond the fact that he's a Microsoft engineer. He was the valedictorian of his class in a very competitive prep school in Savannah, Georgia. He knows my daughters. They went to school together. Then Noah went to Georgia Tech, where he got his undergrad and master's before he went on to Seattle. So the bottom line, folks, is he's no dope. His skill set is different than mine. My skill set is much more liberal arts in general. Noah is a guy who can do things that most of us can't. And that's why I admire him and all the members of his family. So enough blowing smoke. How would you describe our relationship, though? I, you have to admit, it's a little confusing to be. I, I tell, you know, people I'm going to visit. Uh, my friend in Utah to ski, and then they find out that he's a, a six-year-old man, and they're a little... Con- uh, yeah, it's very strange. It really is. For the three of you or 12 of you who might be listening, I am technically, I'm good friends with Noah's parents. My wife and I are very good friends with Noah's parents, and I've watched Noah grow up over the years, but as he matured and went to college and went off on his own, him and I have forged our own relationship Despite the fact we don't go clubbing together, I assume you don't do a lot of clubbing. Well, not anymore. <laughs> well, if, if we weren't in a pandemic and Noah was clubbing, I would not be going out with him because, you know, I'm happy to party, but usually between 5 and 8 p.m. So, folks, what you have to understand is I'll always be a little sour, even when I try to be sweet. Hi there, Joel Zuckerman, host of the new podcast, Grateful Hateful, which is soon to take the internet by storm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anyway, I, I like to think that the letters that I've written over the years have had some sort of effect on the people who received them. And I appreciate hearing that from Noah. Let me use the word. I'm grateful to Noah for saying so. And I wanted to talk to him about some of the things that he is grateful for. That letter, 
I think actually perfectly highlights like one of the main things that I am grateful for, which is this sense of optimism that people around me have instilled in me. Growing up in Savannah, it's a small town, but there's, I mean, semi-small, but there's like endless possibility and having gone to a, a great school with a very tight community, I got to meet all sorts of people that have helped me on this very early beginnings of my journey in life. Actually, you know what? I guess that's really what I'm grateful for is, is the people that I've met. I, I am grateful for people like you, for people like Kayla. So you're grateful, all stuff you're, that we grateful, you're grateful to your family. You're grateful to some of your old friends. You must be, you have to be grateful for the fact that you have a work ethic because a lot of people who are bright like you don't, put their nose to the grindstone. I, I have to think, and I know, I know one of the Lusky, the great traits of the Lusky men in particular is self-deprecation. I'm a little bit more forceful about what I've done. And I think that has to do with the fact, and I'll tell you why I think that's, and this is a slight digression. When you're a salesperson like me, and now I've written a lot of books and some of these books have been very successful, but you have to get your name out there. You always have to, and by successful, I don't mean New York Times bestsellers, but they sold tens upon tens of thousands of copies, fortunately. Right, dozens uh, upon dozens of copies, I understand. That's why I've become a, a thousand <laughs> from my writing career over, over the last 25 years. Anyway, point being is you have to get your name out there. You have to basically say any writer any writer other than, you know, Stephen King or John Grisham has to always be saying, look at me, look what I did. You can get it at your local bookstore. Come to my website. Look at me. Look at me. This is great. You'll love it. You'll let, you'll enjoy this. But someone like your father has more work than he can handle, unfortunately, as an oncologist. You have a job. You don't have to, you don't have to beat your own chest or beat your own drum because the work comes to you. So part of the reason that your dad, I think, is kind of a self-deprecating, kind of a quieter sort is because of the nature of his work. I'd say the same thing about you. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to promote. You're not, you, you're not a promoter, nor do you have to be. Your father's not a promoter. Your brother, who's as brilliant as you, who's still at uh, Georgia Tech, he's not going to need to promote. And your sister, who's a med student, when she's a doctor, Patients are going to come running to her. This is why I love talking to you is because I, I think you're right identifying a gap in what I'm doing. And like, that's why I'm happy to have friends that are significantly old. Sorry, that was rude. Not significantly older than me. That's but at a, I'm, old, I'm old enough to be your father easily. My, you know, you're younger than my younger daughter. So you're just stating, you're just stating in uh, yeah, a plain but, fact. So it's, I mean, the value in talking to people that have had far more experiences than any of us have had. That's why I love talking to you, or that's why I'm really thankful to have grandparents who have had one of the most astonishing escape from Egypt. I, I know that they came from Egypt to, uh, to Brazil. My grandfather, his father always emphasized education, but they were a relatively poor family. And apparently my grandfather was learning, you know, radios were this big magical thing. And he begged his father to pay for 
a set of lessons by correspondence, you know, the, the original remote learning. And so they would send him. And, and tell me, this, this is Elliot. This is who? Elliot asked his father to pay for yeah, some remote paid for learning. remote learning. My grandfather's mother said, you're going to pay for this. And I think it was something like, you know, a hundred pounds, which was an unfathomable amount of money for them. And so he learned how to build electronics and he learned how to speak French in doing this. And meanwhile, he meets my grandmother. Abdullah Nasser becomes dictator of Egypt. Um, not good stuff happens for the Jews. They, right. <laughs> they, because they knew French, having gone to French Catholic schools, get passage by airplane to France. So they flew to France and they had to sign papers that said they would literally never return to Egypt. They stayed in France for a little bit and then took a boat from France. And they went just because, he said, because it was the new world. It seemed to be like a growing economy. Elliot was building radios going into the Amazon forest and selling radios to coffee farmers so that they could radio into Sao Paulo, into Rio de Janeiro to find out the daily coffee prices so that when people came to buy coffee beans from them, they couldn't rip them off. They spent many years, 10, 20 plus years in Brazil before then coming to the U.S.? Spent, or uh, about 20 years in Brazil. The way that he came to the U.S. was he ended up getting hired by Texas Instruments sort of by accident. He basically went for an interview and they asked him to build something. And then he spent four days building it, thinking it was some sort of extended interview. And at the end of the week, he said, hey, so am I hired? And the guy was like, yeah, you've been hired for like four days. <laughs> here's, here's your yeah. first paycheck. And so then <laughs> he had like a fairly fruitful career in Brazil. Texas Instruments, which people don't realize makes substantially more than calculators. By chance, he helped the CEO and some executives from Texas Instruments out of a weird situation with customs. They had unintentionally entered the country without going through customs. So my grandfather helped them through that. And they were like, what can we do to help you? And my grandfather said, I need you to move my family to the United States. I want my daughter to have a good education. And so that's how they ended up in Texas. And that's how my mother ended up going to Texas Tech and becoming an engineer. And it's just, I'm so grateful for, I don't know, luck, hard work, a combination of the two. Right, right place at the right, right place, time. right time, hard work, luck, just trying hard and knowing the right people and then having those people return the favor and try and do the right thing too. It's astonishing that I'm here. And it's, I mean, you say it's because of my hard work. And of course, yeah, I, I work hard, but like also I have to acknowledge that it's so much luck and I'm so fortunate that it's worked out the way it has so far. Well, let me, let me interject a couple of things. First of all, it's really a testament to you and your family that the story of your grandparents' struggle is so well known by you and I assume your brother and sister. You know far more, far more about, about your grandparents than I do about mine. Now, there's a big difference. 
your grandparents are still alive. I didn't know my grandparents. I, one grandmother was alive till I was about six or seven years old, and the other three were deceased. So first of all, let me say, it's really great that you know the story. The fact that you know so much about your grandparents is really great. And the other thing, and the second and only other thing I want to say is that it's a testament to you and your brother and your sister that this is now at least the third generation. They worked hard, kept their nose to the grindstone. So did your mother and father. And so are you and your brother and sister. So nobody's taking the day off. Nobody's, hey, nobody's uh, coasting in the Lusky family. Well, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. I think you're, I think you're generous sometimes, but yeah, we, we do try hard. Well, cause we don't have shining personalities like you. <laughs> I think I'm loving the idea of having my own podcast. Yeah. And as always at the very least, yeah, it's great. No, it's I, fun I to catch up with you. I appreciate all your help and uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a $2 bill next time I see you. Meanwhile, you're cutting into my hot tub time. Thanks to my guest, Noah Lusky, the boy genius. And thank you for listening to the first episode. I hope in succeeding episodes, I will have guests who aren't quite as boring as Noah. See you next time.